0: All right, welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, the town liar himself getting back behind the sticks tonight. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude?
1: What's up, man? Getting ready for a New Brunswick basement show. Ooh, it's been a ooh. long time. Only difference, I used to have like a ceremonial 40 ounce for every show. <laughs> and that was just part of playing a basement show. So my usual routine of... Having a 40, playing a show, hitting the grease trucks. I think I've aged out of that.
0: You've aged out of the grease trucks or the 40 or both? Both. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got to find like a shot of wheatgrass. Oh, no. That's where I go on now, you know, to be able to do it. I don't know what I'm walking into, but uh, I'm excited. Oh. I'm nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One of the guys in the band asked me to practice the other day. He's like, he's like, do you get nervous? I'm like, yeah, I've been nervous for like two weeks. Yeah. He's like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> Figured you wouldn't get nervous anymore. I always get nervous. Oh. I want to do well, you know? Yeah, yeah. Danny, and... I have a confession to make.
0: Oh, please, please. It was me who
1: leaked those government documents. <laughs> it was me and my gamer chat room. <laughs>
0: On uh, on Benny Horowitz's Discord. Yeah, on my Discord. Oh.
1: <laughs> I you know, I have like a bevy of uh, cis teenage boys oh who follow me on there. You know, I really had to just drop some knowledge on them to make sure that they're uh, you know informed about you know South Korea's inner politics.
0: Oh, man. Well, you want to know what segment moving right (laughs) along here keeps us informed each and every week.
1: Watch list.
0: (laughs) It's this day music history. All right. What do you got?
1: All right. This day in 1980, Judas Priest released the album British Steel, which, you know, in hindsight now is one of, if not, you know the most important records of the new wave of british heavy metal influencing uh you know maiden and saxon and all these great bands um it may not be like their best record or their heaviest record but i think they have a lot to do with the following wave of you know you ever wonder why like metallica was on mtv at all know why like cock rock was on mtv at all because of like what it was and how heavy it was and you know judas priest with like breaking the law and living after midnight like that's part of the reason was they you know they made this real slick record with great hooks and you know the, the beautiful iconic art on the front with the hand holding the razor blade and i think it had a lot to do with putting uh the new wave of heavy metal to the forefront and partially to the mainstream. Listen to this great story I dug up when this, they were in a house recording the record and Rob Halford recalls a story where he says it was 4am and Glenn had set his stack set up downstairs from the room I was in. I was annoyed. So I went down and said, Hey Glenn, can you turn that down a bit? Because I can't sleep four o'clock in the morning and you're living after midnight. Len's immediate reaction was, "Oh, that's a great song title for this tune. Check out these chord progressions." So that was the uh the way they named "Living After Midnight" in classic band staying with each other fashion, yeah. rock and roll alarm clock. Yeah, you know?
0: I love it. I love it, and I I, I love the the visual. Idea that it took television to kind of make all of that entire movement go go mainstream. So maybe with the rise of uh, TikTok and people having these really produced like social media posts for their songs these days, maybe maybe uh, a whole new generation will find all of
1: it. I think so. You know what I wonder? What is I just imagine Rob Halford in like leather all the time. Oh. You know, because he's famous for being a leather daddy. Yeah, but. <laughs> I wonder this story, four in the morning. What was Rob Halford wearing when Nothing. he was trying Underwear. to sleep? Like, I don't know. Like, what if he had like proper jammies, like nightcap? <laughs> you know, he's still British guy. He might he might have like a little nightcap in his
0: tee. Not sure. Oh. Uh, well, wh- wh- I can just tell you as somebody that creates from home for a corporation all of the time, the the uh since, since we're not on camera, the uniform is kind of Shorts, no shirt, very much the, uh, uh, the Taylor Hawkins, uh, Chad Smith way to go about creating is just underwear and just get out there and do it.
1: How many episodes have we done where (laughs) below the surface here, you haven't been wearing pants. Oh, there's there's a reason we're talking about the David today. Oh yeah. (laughs) Danny getting giddy.
0: Oh, all right. What do you got? Shout out to Josh. All right. Um, all right, Benny. On this day in 2003, a man was arrested because uh, because he was accused of making up a Bjork concert and selling tickets. Uh, okay. Alex Canate, I, I hope that's how you pronounce his name, allegedly sold tickets worth fourteen thousand dollars at forty bucks a pop, uh, persuading a San Diego nightclub that Bjork had agreed to play there. Um, he was accused of taking the money and then moving to Hawaii. And he wow. was ar- arrested in Hawaii. So, this day, 2003. How can you
1: move to Hawaii with 14 grand? I mean, <laughs> I guess it's enough to get there. I don't know what you're in, doing once you get
0: there. In, in 2003, I, I think it was a little yeah, bit more yeah. doable. Than yeah, now. it's
1: about $3 million inflation-wise,
0: <laughs> right? Inflation-wise. <laughs> really right. So, oh, man. Well, do you want to talk about inflation a little bit here? Oh, uh, my he favorite. Diddy i know right we imagine if we just became the economics podcast it's so, wow. <laughs> you should definitely take your advice from me <laughs> all right benny uh our first thing here uh we finally got an answer to one of music's great questions after 30 years did diddy clear his sample of every breath you take did ahead not. of uh, his 1997 hit i'll be missing you and the answer you know uh sting was on the breakfast club and he answered the question. Is it true is it true that Diddy has to pay you two grand a day because he didn't ask permission to sample every breath you take?
1: Yeah. Wow. For the rest of his life. Wow. Yeah. No, that's a that's lot. Not, no, I read that before. That's, a, wow. that's not true, is it? But did he ask you for permission? <laughs> yes, he did. After the fact? Yes, he did.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was after. We're very good friends, though. Those
0: Diddy NDAs are so strong. Yeah. So strong.
1: So... And it later came out where Diddy said that, no, it's not $2,000 a day. Yeah. It's $5,000 a day in perpetuity. Now, this is where I got to put a little bit of it into question, and they haven't resolved anything yet. If Diddy's actually paying $5,000 a day, I've done the math. It's $1.8 million a year is he making such a revenue still off that song that he can just cough up $1.8 million a year to sting <laughs> along with probably a bunch of other people. He has to pay for stealing their samples. Cause <laughs> apparently that was the style back then. $2,000 a day puts you at about $730,000 a year. But all I know is that sting woke up one morning, <laughs> called a lawyer and just got way richer out of nowhere. You know, um, but apparently this was the style back then. They talked about in the same interview that in those days of taking samples and putting them onto songs, uh, they didn't ask permission. The whole style was to just put it out there and then settle whatever money thing you were going to have to do later. That was like yeah. their plan. Sounds like a shitty plan. <laughs> but also, who knows if Sting ever would have approved that sample in the first place. percent so, you know, maybe, maybe it's smart. Maybe
0: <laughs> Apparently after this, Diddy like tweeted, oh, it's like not true. Like I was being facetious with the whole 5k thing. But I think I, I you know, in this one of those great things where it's like, you don't know where the line between like the fiction and, and the truth yeah. is. I, there, there must've been a lot of money exchanged, even if it's not like a Bobby Bonilla contract where it's going to run for 35 years, there was a piece of time there where Diddy had to play pay sting extensively.
1: Yeah. And bare minimum. I mean, <laughs> you put one eight one point eight million dollars over 30 years. You know, you're looking at like a good 40, 45 million dollars already off of this. You know, yeah. no wonder Sting looks so good. Yeah. Great skin. He can fuck all night. You know, Jeez.
0: <laughs> and he's not uh, he, he's not in. he's probably in a place where the sun happens a lot. Not over there in, in uh-huh. uh, northern Europe. Oh, so, no, yeah. no
1: chance. No chance. I think he wakes up every day from like a, some cryogenic chamber, goes straight into like a, you know, the the sun of the earth into a cold pool. He's going to live to like 140.
0: And <laughs> right. he's still going to be paying him, apparently. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and it doesn't matter if he's able to go with the billionaires to the moon, to Mars. Yeah, it like, doesn't matter. Those doesn't checks matter. still clear. Crazy. All right, next story here today. Uh, Benny, a charter school in Tallahassee, Florida, recently became news when parents complained about the inclusion of the famed David sculpture uh, by Michelangelo in a sixth grade art history course. So shout out to that uh, uh, school at first for having a art history course in sixth grade. Uh, but then the parents got involved and um, apparently the debate was uh, is because the David's junk is exposed and it's in the book. Does that make it pornographic material? So the floor is yours here, Benny. Uh hot take question here. Is it David art or is it porn? Uh
1: it's art. Yeah. 100%. Um it's not porn, I don't think. I mean, this is like you know, we're seeing the bizarre fallouts of this moral crusade that uh a certain sect of this country is on right now and I feel like, you know, they get to something like this. They they watch so much like uh, conservative media and get all worked up and get all angry and then see this one tiny thing where like, oh, I get to do something now. I get to say something and jump all over it. But the idea that this is done with public decency in mind is what they claimed is the thing that really bothers me because it's this like nitpicking of what is deemed public decency. I mean, for the most part, I'm going to go ahead and stereotype right now. This is the same crew who were flying like no more bullshit flags for my kids to read. Uh, Calvin with his little dick out, pissing on Chevy logos. Uh, Their self-proclaimed leader, you know, being okay with grabbing them by the pussy kind of guy. You know, and if you ask me, The things that are protecting public decency is the idea that I could like, you know, if I could uh, with confidence send my kids to school without the idea of them getting mowed down by AR-15s, that feels really indecent to me. And they can see as many little fucking cement dicks as they want to if I was able to get that level of decency on a day-to-day life kind of way. So, to me, this is a straight get the fuck out of here situation. I couldn't disagree with it
0: more. I just love the idea of, you know, you're like, you're reading. I, I don't know if kids still read the World Book in encyclopedia and they're going through and like, what parent doesn't know that, like, what the David actually is? And it's like the, the depiction, it's a biblical depiction. Their they're beloved Bible. Like
1: fucking middle school. Yeah. yeah. Like, come on. You know what I mean? Like, this is just part of this this overall overarching uh, nonsensical crusade that helps fucking nobody. Like, if you really think that this statue is going to go ahead and sexualize your children, right? well, it's the same people who probably think, like, any number of things are sexualizing their children. But turn on the fucking E channel for about four minutes, and I'll find a
0: hundred things that I find more indecent than this. All right. Well, Benny has spoken. I'm excited for Fox News to give you up a call. And please, hey.
1: <laughs> please get me on an interview show. With you know what? I don't. I don't even want to. I couldn't be in the same room with Tucker. Oh would, my god. It wouldn't go well for me. It wouldn't go well for me.
0: May go well for uh for you know tour dates and stuff like that. Real, no. real. Uh, yeah.
1: I'll just get sued because I'm not. I'm not. These are pros. That yeah. bullshit. I'm. I'm yeah. just like a regular dude who has an opinion and i i everyone's like oh i'd like to give someone like that a piece of my you can't give someone like that a piece yeah. of your mind you know like all you can do in a room with tucker carlson is choose to beat the shit out of him or not right <laughs> someone like me anyway because I, I don't think we're gonna get through a no. uh, a healthy robust debate yeah. where he's actually listening to my opinions it's not even on the car it's not yeah. on the table you know
0: Opinion in general has become so hard, and I know that's ironic as we sit here doing, you know, talking on YouTube about different things and stuff like that. But I'm still on the 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 Twitter from the phone cleanse, and it's been so good, and just not wanting to consume any of this toxic information, which I think is people spending too much time on their Facebooks and their Twitters is where yeah. a lot of, of this comes from, sure. and. I think we all just need a bit of a cleanse. Hey, maybe this is the summer of no internet. Get outside. Go for a jog.
1: I couldn't be with you. You know what (laughs) what I've said many times on this program. I think social media and our consumption of it currently will be akin to something like smoking cigarettes in the 80s. At some point, they're really, really, really going to expose how dangerous and toxic this was to people and start to put some limitations on it. Um, but probably not until too late because yeah. that's usually when we take action.
0: This wasn't in the rundown, but a bunch of companies that have lost their verification on Twitter, like the New York Times, uh, NPR, uh, NPR. was a, a, a big one. So the moment all of these people start to get off of your platform, you lose that $44 billion valuation like really quickly.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Twitter's going down the shitter
0: for sure. So. I don't know where sports fans are are, going to go to talk their shit, but uh, I I guess we got to find a new platform
1: discord apparently oh, oh
0: my gosh okay <laughs> you're really into that today you're really into that all right well let's move on to uh something else that uh we've uh one country is finding the long-lasting effects of gambling uh, and they're w- wanting to go the other direction the premier league has revealed that it will no longer allow clubs to partner with gambling companies for its front of shirt sponsorships uh this league is the first in the uk to adopt the measure uh and the of uh, the ban will take place in the 2025-2026 season. This, in comparison to the U.S., who every single league and their brother is getting involved with gambling. Uh, The Washington Capitals were the first NHL team to announce a jersey patch deal uh, with with Caesar Sportsbook. The Golden Knights and uh, Coyotes have the same thing. And they've even added, uh, some of them have even added sportsbooks to their arenas themselves. So it's kind of interesting. The U.S. is on this. Uh, Europe seems to be on the way out of being so closely associated to gambling. Is this whole thing just cyclical?
1: Uh, Yeah, probably. I mean, the thing. So this decision that got brought down, is this like, you know, we're morally opposed to doing this or we're concerned about our league being infiltrated?
0: with gamblers it's mainly just it's only the front of the shirt sponsor so like if you go to the stadium they'll still have the sports books there the ads will still be in in the hall there it's just the front of the shirt which kind of doesn't make sense
1: but what i'm asking is like where like where's the impetus for this like are they concerned that people are meddling with their games meddling with their referees in order to to you know carry out the the gambling or is this like we're morally opposed to like online
0: gambling and like how big it's got it 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 doesn't seem to be morally opposed i don't know because you know what it it has been able to do it's been able to give uh some smaller clubs like a huge boon to like lift up their entire club so i'm not sure if it is a the the moral reasonings but i think you know like we've seen a bunch it's When you have so much and gambling is so accepted, it has really affected fan behavior. And I think that's what they're trying to curb.
1: Yeah, yeah. I heard a lot of people, uh, you know, this extra vitriol people have for someone who, like, fucks up a point spread or something like that. Like, that's happening in American sports, too, now. But, you know, money talks. And these are (laughs) fucking huge, huge companies that are, I don't know, again, preying off people's weakness because... Most of the people who use, hey, you know, I'm sure a great deal of people who use these things, use them fairly responsibly and don't put too much money in and do it for fun. But, you know, this just there's a reason there's Gamblers Anonymous. There's a reason why people got to say these phone numbers for 25 different states, you know, when you're doing a DraftKings ad or something is <laughs> because it can be really dangerous and it ruins people's lives. So, you know. there's got again there's got to be a line somewhere but where capitalism decides to draw
0: that line who knows you know and it's it's keeping my entire business afloat right now i mean like with with the newspapers and everything going out the gambling companies have stepped right in every single podcast you love is somehow affiliated with one of these people and I'm not listen, and even like Sports Center, which you know for the longest time was the holdout, and they couldn't even talk about gambling. They've got lines on the TV now. Oh yeah, and they have lines at stadiums. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> like, like, sitting there talking about lines. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you're not even, you know, they they've wet the whistle so much at this yeah. point. Like you're not even just like, oh, I bet this game in the third quarter of a game. You could still be on your phone, you know, <laughs> fucking with these prop bets and these little things like. Man, they
0: they really know how to turn us into hamsters. (laughs) And for the most part, the gambling is good because most people just have fun with it. But it's the crazies and the rise in people verbally assaulting, even physically assaulting some of these athletes. I mean, in the NBA, we've seen this so much. That's where the problem is. And I don't know what in this country we're going to do about it. But the UK seems to have uh, figured out what they want to do. I
1: mean, just the one thing people always got to remember is the people who set the lines know way more than you'll ever know. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they got teams and teams of people, software, you know, uh, like literally like smart computers just sitting there calculating odds to make sure that these companies don't lose money. So like if you really think that, you know, your day to day, I have a hunch gambler is going to wind up greatly on top with these companies. like. It's not gonna happen. Like, I'm sorry. As, as smart as you are, yeah. it's just not gonna happen.
0: And as a sports fan, like my whole life, like like loving it and everything, the moment I got introduced to gambling and heard, oh, when you pick the games that go two and a half, a half point, I was like, This is bullshit. I'm so out on this, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I hate I, that. I got out of gambling. When, when I owed a guy named Ad-Rock a
1: whole lot of money <laughs> at some point. So luckily, I didn't even make it to the online
0: oh, before I got good. my
1: scares, you know? <laughs> oh. All
0: right. Well, next headline today, Benny, uh, the Washington Commanders. Uh, one of the worst ownership tenures in American sports oh, yeah. history, the Dan Snyder era. Uh, that's been well documented. We well documented it here Uh, That appears to be coming to a close as Josh Harris, a name that we may know in NBA circles, has reached an agreement uh, in principle with the Washington Commanders for the $6 billion purchase of the franchise. Uh, The deal between Snyder and Harris, who Harris is the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, who is trying his darndest to get that downtown stadium by the terminal market made in Philadelphia, is adding the Commanders to his uh, growing portfolio. Um, the bid also includes Magic Johnson, which I think is historically... I don't know how many uh, black minority owners there are in the NFL, but this seems groundbreaking that the, the owners would actually approve letting Magic Johnson in. So, shout out to Magic for, once again, being a trailblazer. Mm-hmm. Um, this, you know, Harris's bid was uh, picked, especially after there was speculation that Bezos would try to come in uh, and make a run for the team as well. So, what do you make of Josh Harris taking over the commanders? I mean, I think at the very least, there's like probably
1: 30 to 31 other owners right now in the NFL going, whew, thank goodness. Because, yeah. you know, this has been one of those things that I think it's a parody they would have liked to get rid of a long time ago. You know, like that there's been well-reported, You know uh toxic environment surrounding dan snyder for years and years and years and like you know a a story that they couldn't get rid of in one of the biggest and best football markets in america so i think like the nfl and all the other owners and everyone is probably really relieved that not only did you know snyder agree to it that it looks like it's on the table and it's going to happen And then, you know, some people with ownership acumen are actually coming into the thing. Uh, So I think on that level, you know, it's a good thing. You want this guy out of the league. You want him out of your business. Um, I mean, I think it's a huge reflection of how, you know, when you're at a certain point of rich, you can just fail up over and over and over again. The idea that the amount of money Dan Snyder is going to actually pocket by fucking up for so long is extraordinary. You know what I mean? This would be, you know, such game changer money, especially for a city like DC. So I mean, that's the the ugly part of this—the kind of Donald Sterling effect, where you can just be an absolute piece of shit and bank on it. Um, but I think it's a good thing. Uh, between the name change and the ownership change, you know, this is a team I can actually like look at again uh, through a different lens and through a different optic. And I hope, you know, the same for their fans. Cause you know, they didn't ask for any of this shit yeah. and maybe they get to just like root for their team without any snake oil on their hands. Now, you know, <laughs>
0: And you've got to be thrilled if you're a Commanders fan here. I mean, like, uh, the, the the 76ers are an organization. Hey, they've kept Embiid happy. They, they've built up a, a winning culture. For the most part, I, I think that they make good hiring practices. Uh, one of the, I wouldn't say the Sixers are like a model franchise in the the NBA, but, but they're certainly one of the ones that, you know, they're, they're always competing. And as a fan, that's all you want.
1: I mean, they haven't won a ring since the 70s, but
0: they're in the they're, they're, they're in the hunt. They're in the hunt, man. They're in the hunt. We're going to get to that. Yeah. We're going to get to
1: that. Let's see them get through my nets first. Though. Oh, just
0: kidding. Just kidding. Just hey, kidding. Saturday, yeah. Philly. Who's said? No? All right. Uh, let's move over to baseball here a little bit. Benny back at it. Oh, my gosh. I am loving a two hour baseball. Game. It's amazing now. On TV, awesome. But when I go to a game, I want it to be four hours, and I want at least two and a half hours of drinking Bud Light Lime in the right field.
1: I gotta be, I'm got. i the exact opposite. <laughs> as big as a baseball fan as I am, I yeah. love Yankee Stadium. I've yeah. probably been to hundreds of games at Yankee Stadium at this point. And I don't think there's ever been a time after nine innings of baseball that I'm like, yeah, give me more baseball. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. By that point, I am after three hours after X amount of beers, you time it all out. You're like, okay, fourth inning, (laughs) I'm going to get this 20 something ounce beer. I'm going to get these garlic cheese fries, (laughs) you know, and I'm going to be set till the end of the game. I'll be dead by the end of the game. And then I just take off and I'm good. And then you get like an extra hour. And I'm like, oh, God, (laughs) someone hit a home run and end this, please. I need to go home. (laughs) This has turned into a. No. a 13 hour day to see some baseball. <laughs> so honestly, I'm like, you know me. I've fully been in the camp for years about changes in baseball because I'm as big as a baseball fan as there is and the idea that I used to basically read a book as I watch <laughs> baseball games has been a problem and the idea that I don't have to watch guys spit and shuffle their balls for 25 seconds between every pitch anymore. Oh my God. I fucking love yeah. it. I love it. The one thing that I think is getting taken away that I did appreciate about baseball is like, is your Juan Soto's of the world. You know, the guys who step into the box, do all this funny stuff. It's to fuck with the, yeah. the pitcher. Um, You know, and I think like guys like that have spent their entire careers kind of harvesting this, style and this way they do things to get in there and kind of fuck with a pitcher so you know i think guys like that are losing out a little bit obviously manny machado doesn't like it but from a, a fan perspective from a viewing perspective i couldn't love it anymore um yeah i think i think it's a great thing so far
0: how long would your chuck knoblox and your nomar Garcia powers last in the pitch clock era two-year career
1: (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's like a whole different style it's different yeah um but yeah i think um you know i think it's playing the way like a sport needs to be played these days you know and it's just like you know i know it's i know it's one of the old games it's a classic game and but if you're really trying to keep up with these other sports with such an effective and entertaining product like, you know, like football and soccer and basketball, these these games that just move and move and move. And you're expecting in the, you know, the TikTok age to to watch somebody, you know, shuffle through the, the, the things we had to shuffle through. It just didn't make any sense anymore. Yeah. And this is a, a great change for baseball. I'm stoked about it.
0: And they're fortunate enough to have one of probably the best stories in sports so far in 2023 to start off this season with the Tampa Bay Rays. They've started off the season 13 and and Oh, the Rays are heading to Toronto trying to set the major league baseball's post 1900 record for consecutive wins. at the start of the season. Uh, Tampa Bay um, is hold on. Sorry about this. Uh, So when, when you look at it, at baseball and the rays in terms of the historical precedence, the only longer streak than what they're doing now, uh, is with, by the 1884 St. Louis Maroons of the union association. And they started the season 20 and 0. um, the rays have uh, have won all of their games by two or more runs, um, and have outscored opponents one Oh one to 30. So just an unbelievable start to the season for the rays. um, how much have you enjoyed watching this story thus far?
1: I mean, you know, in the same division as the Yankees. Yeah, so, you know, th- don't love it in that idea. But the thing I do love about it is how it's kind of flipping baseball on its ears in a lot of ways. And the Rays have been doing this for a number of years now. Their total payroll for this season is 74 million, which I think ranks in the the bottom five in the league. Um, So, you know, the San Diego Padres method of, of putting a team together currently or the Yankees or the Red Sox, the Dodgers, like any of the big the big players economically, you know, the Rays for years now have been showing this model of of talent finding of uh, how to utilize starting and relief pitchers, you know, optimally better than anybody else in the league. And I think it's kind of you watch a team. Like like, as a novice baseball fan, how many guys even on the Rays can somebody know or mention, yeah. you know, even the novice baseball fan might be like, "Oh, that's Randy or Rosarena or they what Wander Franco because he was a big prospect or Brandon Lowe because that's, you know, a last name people recognize. Yeah. But like they have no superstars. They have no premier players like that that they had to you know lock up for a long time. And they've been actually a team that feeds players to bigger teams for years and years. And they adapted. Um, And I got to give them credit for just being one of, if not the smartest organization in baseball to pull this off. And I'm here for it. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, They literally have one player on the roster this season making more than $10 million a year, which is Zach Eflin. You know, it's not like they went out and and signed Max Scherzer or something. So I I, I am here for it. And I love when, you know, 130 year old records get broken by a team like the Tampa Rays. You know, I think it's a lot of fun.
0: Didn't they also lose their like head of like uh, their their president of baseball development and, and stuff like that a, a few years ago after they made that alcs run and then they retooled with front office personnel that kept this thing going absolutely unbelievable uh speaking you know we talked about the sixers making good hiring practices this the, the tampa bay Rays, always just seemed to get it right and it, it's good to see now if only they could get a ballpark
1: yeah i literally just walked by <laughs> that stadium the other day it is <laughs> it is a funky funky stadium you're better playing at Steinbrenner Field uh, <laughs> when you're down there instead of that weird dome.
0: But, you know, gives it character, right? Yeah. Whatever happened to that plan to go back and forth between Montreal and Tampa? I like that. That yeah, was fun. Yeah.
1: I think they realized it was stupid.
0: Summertime Montreal would have been fun for me. Montreal deserves a team, yeah. 100%. But
1: yeah. this idea of a team shifting around, I mean, it just doesn't work, especially yeah. come, like, playoff World Series time. What are you supposed to do about that? Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I'm here for the Rays. I just hope after they go 14 and 0, they go on a bit of a losing streak, and, uh, <laughs> and, the, Yanks, and the Yanks work their way up.
0: <laughs> I love it. All right, well, let's move to the hardwood now, Benny. Shall we? And it's postseason time. Uh, oh, you know, yeah, we uh we cut out during the dog days, but we're back for the playoffs. And I want to go through each of these series one by one, kind of get your take, take your temperature on everything. And we got to start with arguably one of the most interesting. Matchups of the first round. LA Clippers, Phoenix Suns, Kawhi Leonard versus Kevin Durant, uh, Chris Paul trying to get back to uh, an NBA Finals and win one this time. Uh, The timetable for Paul George uh, coming back and getting back in the flow with the Clippers. All of these interesting things. They got Ishba versus Balmer in in the C-suite level. Uh, So what do you make of Clippers Suns first round? Uh, You know... I think
1: to 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 continue the narrative of the Clippers of the last few years, it comes down to health. And if they were going into this series with a healthy Paul George, I would give the Clippers a fighting chance to get through this series because, you know, that's a dynamic one too that's been gearing up all season to be able to play a seven-game series. Kawhi played his first back-to-back since twenty twenty-one you know, the, uh, last night of the regular season. So, but, you know, without Paul George, I'm really seeing a hard time of the Clippers keeping up with, with the Suns and a healthy Kevin Durant, the model of efficiency through the league. So for now, if, you know, if, if I don't see Paul George for the first two, three games, I think we're looking at like a Suns and six kind of scenario.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I think the other interesting thing, you know, people are, have this whole time have just been assuming that, Oh, Kevin Durant plug and play with this team. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what, you know, this, this is by no stretch, like a walkover for Phoenix here. No, but I, I think that there's a real opportunity. Kevin Durant has a lot to prove, especially after last postseason, uh, to come out, be effective. Um, and sons have a lot to prove as well. They want to get over that hump. So it's going to be very interesting to see there. The, the thing that I want to look ahead to with the Clippers here is I think some heads may roll this off season uh, when it comes to Ty Lu when it comes to the combination of Paul George and Kawhi, if they cannot get it done in this series.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, this is if they lose in the first round here, I think, you know, it's a little bit of shit or get off the pot time, but that being said, Ty is not really the problem. You know, it's been a mixture of getting two highly undependable players together to be your core. And, you know, the fact that they're going to go into the sun series with a starting lineup, that's including Eric Gordon and Nicholas Batum and Zubac, And, you know, like it just didn't, you know they hamstrung themselves so much with that trade and so much financially with two players that one of those players goes down, your chances are almost nil. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I also go with you there. Suns in six. Heck, maybe even five. But you know, with with the way that Kawhi was Kawhi playing, Leonard, you know, yeah,
1: you yeah. can put a game or two on his back for sure. They have some interesting pieces and. You know, this always goes down to the other thing. Can the Suns stay healthy? Yeah. 100%. You know, one of those guys goes down, then it, then it's a completely different story, and they have a lot of players susceptible to going down. So we'll see, but uh, it's, it's tough
0: to see them getting
1: past the Suns.
0: All right, next series here, we have Denver, who kind of, you know, they kind of stumbled in or stumbling into this postseason versus the Timberwolves or Oklahoma City. That will be decided by the time that we uh, get, To, um, get to yeah yeah to to in in like my mind I was trying to do the calculus I was like wait a minute did that game all already happen no but uh, (laughs) tonight the the story in this first round is uh, will Denver be able to reclaim their form from a month ago as they try to get toward also a make or break run in this playoffs?
1: You know I have a funny feeling about Denver. I've heard some a lot of things. You know, the other way, I'm a little shocked at, you know, what their odds are to win the title at this point. I mean, I think they're 400 to one odds at this point. Um, I, you know, I think they have a chip on their shoulder. I think the X factor for the Nuggets is Michael Porter Jr. Um, You know, you've seen, you know, Jokic is partially a system player and he needs to run the system and the system needs to be running for him to be the most effective But when it comes to playoff time, you need someone out there on a team who can just flat out make shots, make tough shots, you know, get on a heater. And I've seen some indications from from Michael Porter Jr. this year that he's got a chip on his shoulder. He sees himself as more of a superstar than he's given credit for. Um, And I think he's a strange X factor for the Nuggets going into this. And if we see any kind of. uh, mpj coming out party in these playoffs i think with the way the west looks and how open it is um i i do still think they have a real chance and i don't put them uh you know as fourth or fifth as as a lot of the prognosticators have them right now um i do think they obviously have some serious problems with their bench they don't trust a lot of people zeke Naji's back that helps a little bit at least you keep deandre jordan thomas Bryant on the bench but um The Nuggets have problems. I don't see them not getting through either the Timberwolves or OKC, who gets through there. Um, But, you know, long term for this playoffs, I'm curious about how they come out in this first series and the way that, you know, specifically the way Porter is going to look. And that will give me an indication of how far they can go, I think.
0: The problem with Porter here, right, is that he 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 almost needs to have number two uh, shot opportunities. You know, because when, when was the best we saw Michael Porter Jr. when Jamal Murray was out and, and him and Nikola Jokic played that two-man game. You get Jamal Murray back in there, he, he needs to get into that three-row for the scoring. And also, at time, his defense has been suspect, which is something that he's very much trying to have been improving as l- later on in, in the season. But... I don't know when when Michael Malone is going to have to try to, like, get him in and, and get him out to, to try to get his uh, shot creation. It just that's that's for me where Denver's going to have to figure things out.
1: Well, I think that's kind of brings up the point of what I brought up earlier is like you get to a playoff series like this. There are going to be times when they're so focused in the other guys that someone just has to be someone you can hand the ball to and they go make their own shot. With his size, with his athleticism, the way he can shoot from the outside, I think he's the guy on that team who's going to be tasked with doing yeah. that. Um, and that's where I think he's he's such an important X factor for the Nuggets.
0: Plus side, you have a third star, downside, you have a guy that wants to be there, but you know, he 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 may not get the opportunity. So
1: and and we'll you know, credit to them. I you know, they shut down Jamal Murray last year. Yeah to get him healthy for the season and he's healthy for the season. Yeah. He's healthy for the playoffs. So, you know, that's also a huge X factor in someone who has shown themselves to be a gamer, you know?
0: Well, we're going to move to a series now that has a handful of gamers, Sacramento, golden state, Sacramento, the darlings of the regular season. Benny, will this translate to the postseason for Sacramento? Ah. Uh. It kills me to
1: say this. I hate saying it because I love Sacramento this year. Yeah. I went to see them play the Nets, not to see the Nets. Yeah. I wanted to see the Kings play. Um, so, you know, as much as I love what they did this year, such a fun upstart group, Um, you know, what they haven't been in the playoffs since what? Oh, six. Yeah. Something Long like that. Sports. Yeah. So I really love what they're doing, but I got to jump on the bandwagon with this too. Oh. I mean, the warriors of the warriors defending champions been through it so many times. There's, you know, no one on the Kings that I don't think they don't have an answer for. Uh, Wiggins was not out because of a, a health reason. He was out for a personal reason, which should make readapting to the starting lineup important. He's crucially important to them getting through, you know, three series in the West Gary Payton is healthy. So, you know, besides for the Warriors eating shit, uh, you know, on the road this year, I, you know, all indications to me point to the Warriors getting out of this series and making a real run in the West. As much as it pains me to, to yeah. say for the Kings, because I really do love them this year.
0: See, and here's the thing where it's like pedigree versus the upstart. If if you're going by the, the the model of who who are are the best players that you would want to have right now, you you'd go with you'd want Sabonis and Fox because you know, in this series there's going to be a lot of uh Fox versus Curry, but we've just seen Curry get the upper hand in this far far too often, so it's kind of hard to go with Fox there. But I mean, when you and then also like we're not even we haven't even mentioned Sabonis in this who honestly like sh- in, in my opinion, should be in the all NBA, like first team conversation here. Sure. Uh, so in, in, in this series, I mean, when you're looking at, you know, Sabonis, uh and, and Fox versus the likes of, you know, whatever clay can be of this series, it, it creates a, a, a interesting thing to look at.
1: Well, I think that's where the depth of it too comes in. Mm. It's like, you know, how much, I don't think the Warriors were playing possum or anything like that, but They just know how to step up to the occasion. They know exactly what to do in those occasions. And like, you know, um, Clay is what he what he is now. He's not what he wasn't. But there's going to be two games a series where Clay gets hot and hits six three pointers, hits seven three pointers. He's still got that touch. And like, it's those kinds of X factors where like, you know, you start putting these rosters together and I'm looking at like, oh, you know, what are the Kings going to be doing when we're in the bench time? What are we going to be doing when we're getting into the depth? I do think they'll give them a hard time. I just don't think they can defend yet on the level that's going to get past the Warriors. So I'm afraid.
0: Fun note about this series. 20 players this season made 200 or th- uh, or more three-pointers. Five of them are in this series. Wow. Curry, Thompson, Jordan Poole, Kevin Herter, and Keegan Murray.
1: It's impressive. Yeah. It's impressive. So-
0: depth all around
1: yeah this is going to be a burner of a series for sure
0: if only they were getting denver in the first round then denver may be, be in trouble
1: does draymond green hit anybody in the testicles this this series
0: or what shit does jordan Poole get get into jordan Poole and keegan murray uh, something yeah you think so <laughs> That's
1: what's going i don't on? know
0: there seems to be a lot of fighting recently for like no reason I mean, granted, I well, in, in Minnesota... There was- Hopefully he throws
1: a Gobert punch in the shoulder, <laughs> you
0: know, instead. All right, keeping it in the Western Conference. Memphis versus Los Angeles. Uh, Dylan Brooks versus LeBron James. A uh, whole conversation about uh, the newly acquired depth here with the Lakers. And also a, a potential series for Anthony Davis to try to reemerge as one of the top guys in this league. So, uh, Lakers, Grizzlies, who you got here? You know...
1: I got, I'm bucking trends on this one Yeah. because I watched the Lakers play the Timberwolves. I watched the Lakers a lot this season. You know, this idea that this group is just going to turn it on and be like a championship contender seriously doesn't make any fucking sense to me (laughs) besides for the idea that LeBron James is on the team and Anthony Davis has a good game one every that of three or something like that, where he's dominant. You know, I, you know, on paper, I know you're looking at like, oh, Stephen Adams is out. Brandon Clark is out. They're going to eat him up down low. I mean, besides for Anthony Davis, who are they fucking eating him up with? You know, and and that's where just D'Angelo Russell already got benched for most of this game and you're going to Dennis Schroeder. This is against the fucking Timberwolves. Yeah. Um. So honestly, I'm looking at Memphis as having a huge chip on their shoulder. Uh. Being, you know, more way more athletic as far as the guards and wings go, a bunch of people who can give you problems all over the court, shooting all over the court. I think Memphis is gonna win this series. Yeah. I think the Lakers might have a couple real pound and ground games, but you know, LeBron takes every other possession off just to just to stay on the floor for 40 minutes. Every time Anthony Davis falls down, he gives me the Aaron Judge kind (laughs) of quivers because I think something's about to happen. So I I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks just Memphis's athleticism, uh, the chip they have going into this, the kind of ruffles they've made in playoff series already with some of this group. I think Memphis gets out of this series. I do.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Lakers have played like they, they had an easier schedule down the stretch. They got a lot of their hard games out at the beginning of the season. Real test for them. Uh, for a, a lot of people post all, all-star break, the Lakers were the story, the, like the feel-good story. But uh, Memphis is proven at this point. I mean, they haven't gotten a, a finals, but they've gone far enough uh, to be respected. So it, it's easy to go with LeBron and AD. They do have a championship. Uh, But depth here, man, got it. Got to go with Memphis. here. I think so, too. Let's just get if Jaron
1: Jackson Jr. can stay in the court for 30 minutes a game, that might be the X factor here.
0: A hundred percent. All right. Let's move to the Eastern Conference. Uh, Let's start with the Milwaukee Bucks versus either the Heat or the Bulls. Uh, Big story in this one either way is going to be uh, Chris Middleton um and last year we saw him go down bucks weren't able to get to the nba finals and have a shot at at, at a championship uh he's they've been very cautious with him at the end of the season uh what do you think we'll see from the bucks and middleton in the first round
1: well i mean luckily for them i think either of the two teams they're gonna see they're gonna roll um the thing i'd be most interested to see is how milwaukee plays this series it's like are we fully in the playoffs already and are we going to try to sweep them, give ourselves a little extra rest and do that? Like how locked in is Milwaukee going to be game one or are they willing to allow a game or two going to another team? I don't think so. Mm. It's hard for me to see either Chicago or Miami giving uh, giving the Bucks much of a hard time but I think your X factor for the rest of the playoffs is, is the real thing to watch is how does Middleton look? Because obviously when you get to the Boston's Phillies, you know, the other teams, they might have to play. You're going to need him at at a pretty peak, peak situation to be there. But I think they're going to
0: roll either of these teams. They've done their best to try to cover that by adding uh, Jay Crowder. You know, the the Joe, Joe Ingles has come on at the end of the season. Uh, they've, they've given Dragic some uh, minutes at the end of the season. So last year it was like Middleton or bust. This year they have a couple different options. Bobby Portis has try to take things to the next level. So we will be interesting to see Milwaukee there. Bobby uh,
1: Portis is going to be in the top three and six man of the year.
0: I love it. I have him Good winning boy. it. I have him winning it. You have him uh, winning it? Oh, yeah. All yeah. Right. All right. We probably won't get to uh, awards like that today, but hey, we'll see. Uh, all right. Brooklyn, Philadelphia. Great series here. Um, mm. You know, the the hype train has already started about having a week for the Nets and Spencer didn't we to try to figure out how to guard, duel Embiid. Um The Nets trying to find a weakness in the Sixers, which has been pretty tough to find of late. And then, you know, trying to get Embiid off the floor. That's what the Nets are going to be looking at. From the Sixers' perspective, it's going to be how healthy is James Harden? Mm-hmm. Uh, another big X factor in this first round. So, uh, Nets Sixers, what are you thinking here?
1: You know, as optimistic as I'd like to be, especially with some of the storylines, you know, like Mikhail Bridges, Philly boy going back home, you know, spurned by the Sixers on draft day for Zaire Smith, one of the... <laughs> All-time worst draft day moves, uh, for sure. You know Seth Curry, former part of that team. Ben Simmons sitting on the bench in great sweaters, uh, you know, <laughs> somewhat cheering along with his with his butt pad. Um, but you know, as a Nets fan, I think there's the record of the Nets is a little disorienting because so much of that record was created when Kevin Durant was on the team. <laughs> And, you know, they were on some great win streaks. And I think, you know, people expected them to shit the bed when this trade went down. Oh, the Nets are a playoff team now or a play in team. And I think they exceeded expectations a little bit in the fact that they kind of kept it together with this Um. unit. But I think the record and them being a six seed is partially an indication of what they did earlier in the year with not this group. Mm. Um, and when I'm actually matching them up on paper and I'm looking at this and some of the offensive games bridges had towards the end of the season, I mean, there was a lot of six of 21s and, uh, you know, I watched the Nets a lot, as you know, and there was a whole lot of possessions where Mikhail Bridges was chucking up a three pointer with three seconds left on the clock. Cause they just couldn't get anything going out there. Yeah. They're an easy team to defend. Um, Every time Embiid has gone up against Claxton, it's a fucking nightmare. He's got like 100 pounds on him, and he just knocks him around. And uh, as much as I would like to to say the Nets are going to give him a hard time, I think they might give him a hard time a game or two. They'll they mm. they'll come out with some interesting stuff. They have some interesting lineups they can throw out um, to, to kind of maybe throw Philly off, and I assume they'll do that. But I, I would be surprised to see the Nets take more than two games. I and mean, I've got to take Philly in six here. I think we
0: get one Bridges game because, you know, to try to put the punctuation on the end of his regular season where he, you know, we kind of saw an evolution from a guy who has got solid man's in Phoenix to a guy who at times we saw could be the guy. I mean, granted, like high usage, like you said. Um, so we get one of those, but I, I think, Philly has it going right now, and I I think it's going to be really tough for Brooklyn to stop.
1: Yeah, same.
0: All right. uh, To Boston Celtics, Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks, a team uh, who, you know, they've had their own tumultuous season. Um, the Trey young trade talks have been hot as the season comes to a, as a regular season comes to a close, which is never what you want. Uh, Quinn's the, the Quinn Snyder era in, in Atlanta has just been wacky. Um, but despite all of that, here they are up, up against Boston first round. Uh, do you think Atlanta can win a game here?
1: Yeah, maybe
0: one, Yeah, you know, something like that. I,
1: I couldn't think of a tougher matchup for Atlanta, and that's the problem. I mean, Boston and what they do to undersized guards uh, is pretty ridiculous. And, you know, Atlanta's literal framework is undersized guards. Um, So, you know, I do think that they might be able to, like, eke out something here. I, I like the way that they have them playing. Sadiq Bey was a great, like, you know, last minute squeeze into that roster. I don't know if they make, you know, stay on the course they, they did if they don't have them, but I don't have a lot of confidence in Atlanta taking more than like a game of this series.
0: Yeah. Cause when you think of the Hawks, you, you think of like Trey's like three point shooting, but you know, this season, Al Horford has been shooting 44% from three time. Lord absolutely fucking doing it. And then just,
1: I mean, on, on any given night, you're going to be having Jalen Brown. Who's really not built like a guard these days, you know, like just steamrolling these fucking guys getting whatever he wants. Um, Boston's deep, you know, they, they have all, you know, you got Peyton Pritchard putting up Mm -hmm. triple doubles at the end of the year. So yeah, I, I don't see him going too far. And I think, Atlanta is one of the the big, what are they going to do this offseason teams, yeah. you know, uh, after this. But you do got to say. In the Trey Young, Luka Doncic narrative.
0: Oh, that that's hard now. I it's mean, really... listen,
1: listen, like one of them didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. One of them boofed it for the playing game. One of them kept them 500 all year and uh, and got themselves in as a seven seed. I don't know. <laughs> Trey won this year.
0: The last thing I'll say about this series, um, Hawks, uh, you know, uh, against the Heat, they relied on second chance opportunities. You're not going to get that uh, against Boston. So I, I think that this one's going to be very quick. And then having, so if if the Brooklyn-Philadelphia series goes longer and Boston's able to get this done in, say, like four or five games, once again, advantage Boston. That's That's the one that we're really going to be looking at. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right. Oh, then the Darling Series here. The absolute Darling Series. The New York Knicks, Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, you know the story from the offseason. The, the yeah. Knicks wanted Donovan Mitchell. Instead, they got uh, Jalen Brunson, who Jalen Brunson has uh, become a bona fide star in this league. Um, you, you, you've you got uh, um, just everything that you want here. Mitchell, homecoming uh playoff basketball back at MSG what do you make of this series great series this
1: might be the 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 one i'm most excited to watch for the for the first because of the narrative and because of how you know nicely matched up these teams are um i think Julius Randall's health has been a little overlooked yeah um i think that's a huge factor and in order to get through cleveland they're going to need Randall doing his Randall stuff the entire series um, but I see this so matched up that I'm kind of going, I'm going quickly to X factors. Yeah, and to me, the X factor of this series is Donovan Mitchell, and I think when push comes to shove, and you need a basket, you need late game heroics, you need someone who is going to step up and shine in the moment. I I put my my faith in Donovan Mitchell when it goes to that. So I think it's going to be a great series. I think New York definitely takes a couple that, you know, it's going to be tough to beat them at the garden, but in the end, I I got Cleveland in seven, uh, because of, you know, the Donovan Mitchell X factor and the fact that I thought we saw a slightly progressed Evan Mobley towards the last couple months of the season. Who's, you know, month by month turning into the player that everybody thought he, he could be. Um, so yeah, I got Cleveland in about seven with this one
0: massive who is the best player in this series, series, you know, because there is the, as we stand right now, and I know like this will be answered in a a week or so from now, but you can debate Jalen Brunson or Donovan Mitchell, who's the best player in this series. My money is on Donovan Mitchell. I think he is a uh, first team all all NBA -er this season, but the debate can be had.
1: Donovan Mitchell's better player than Jalen Brunson.
0: But like when it comes... When it comes to having more around them right now, and who's done more with less this season, I think Jalen Brunson has done more with less. Getting a team that was like a eight seed up into the four five spot, I think that's huge.
1: I will tell you, Darius Garland is
0: fast.
1: Yeah, that guy get end to end quick, and you know that's where you know New York's gonna have to pull the full. Mitchell Robinson, plug them up, try to slow this game down as much as they can to, to get through this thing.
0: But you don't think say the Knicks win, say Jalen Brunson's amazing. You don't think that people will be like uh, Jalen Brunson better than Donovan Mitchell. If that actually happens, then we can
1: have that conversation. Sure.
0: I, but it's in it, it's in it's like in the offering yeah 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 sure
1: it's on the table, right. and hopefully
0: hopefully danny green gets to play this series because he's yeah. been missing in action so i
1: see too much of danny
0: uh do you want to shelve our awards conversation or? yeah all right who cares Plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at the thetunepodcast at gmail.com. Two P's in there. Follow us on all the social platforms at Tuna HQ on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you want to follow the big man on Instagram, he is at Benny Horowitz. I'm at Denny Gallagher. Uh, Benny's got the big show tonight, but do you have anything else?
1: Everybody love everybody. Keep the cement dicks out.
0: The show's ended. Go in peace. You've been listening to and watching the tune-up. <laughs>